0: It's still the holidays here at Monster Kid Radio, so this week we're going to dive into a Christmas classic. We're going to talk about Santa Claus Conquers the Martians from 1964, and I'm not doing it by myself. No, I'm being joined by podcast legend Scott Morris. He's one of the high muckety-mucks over at Disney Indiana and my co-host over at 1951 Downplace, a returning guest here at Monster Kid Radio, and he's joining me, Derek M. Cook to talk about Santa Claus Conquers the Martians this week on Monster Kid Radio. I hope everybody's having a great holiday season this time of year, and I hope you enjoy what we've got cooked up on this episode of the show. Now, before we get into the discussion about Santa Claus Congress of Martians, we have a few more holiday greetings that have been sent in by previous guests here on the show. So we're going to play those first. Before we get to all of that, though, let's get the housekeeping and the business out of the way. Our contact information, you can email us at monsterkidradio at gmail.com, or you can call and leave us a voicemail at our voicemail line, which is 503-4795-MKR. That's 503 Now this is information available over on our website at monsterkidradio. Net. Also at monsterkidradio.net, you'll find links to everything that we've ever talked about here on the show, including to the podcast that I mentioned earlier that Scott's involved with, Disney Indiana. He's one of the co-hosts over there with his wife, Tracy. You can find that in the links and podcast section of our website. You can also find links to all the bands that you've heard here on the show in the past, our Amazon store, our Live 365 channel, our YouTube channel, pretty much everything that you need to keep you going between episodes of Monster Kid Radio, you're going to find right over there. There something else that you can do to keep yourself going between episodes of monster kid radio is maybe drop us a review in the iTunes store. I haven't mentioned it for about a week and a half. So I'm going to go ahead and mention it again. Remember, we've got the 50 review challenge. If we can get 50 honest reviews in the iTunes store, we're going to launch a special, well, something here on monster kid radio. So once we get to 50 honest reviews over there in the iTunes store, well, something new will happen. And I think you guys and gals will dig it. So if you haven't already done, so please, please, Consider taking a moment to drop us a review over there. Of course, if you use another podcatcher or a listener listener software. How about that? Another piece of software to listen to your podcast and there's a way to review or rate these podcasts. We'd appreciate anything that you can do to help spread the word. Now normally we play some sort of horror surf music here on Monster Kid Radio. Last week we played some music from the Nick Adams from their Christmas record. This week well, we're going to end the show with a piece of music from the film Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. The song is Hooray for Santa Claus by Milton Delug and the Little Eskimos. Since Santa Claus Conquers the Martians is a public domain film, we're going to go ahead and go out on that piece of music at the very end of the show. Of course, to get to the end of the show, we've got to get to the middle of the show, which we'll get to right after this.
1: White Zombie, a new novelization of the classic horror movie from award-winning author Stephen D. Sullivan. Available now in print and all ebook formats. Find it on Amazon, Smashwords, Drive-Thru fiction, and other quality outlets. Also available in a special edition, including the complete movie script. Grab White Zombie before it grabs you. Details at SDSullivan.com.
0: Monster Kid Radio. This is Lord Ward, wanting to wish everyone a very merry Christmas and a happy holiday. May all your dreams come true.
1: Hello, all you Monster Kid Radio listeners. This is Jackie Ray Neiman Jones, who played the poor, unfortunate child bride, Debbie, in Monos The Hands of Fate. Have yourselves a very happy holiday and a Manosy New Year. <laughs>
0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to talk about a movie that is maybe near and dear to some Monster Kid's heart. And I'm joined by a man who has watched this movie more than I can possibly imagine. He's a returning guest of Monster Kid Radio, a longtime friend of mine, the Droppo to My Santa. Welcome to the show, Scott Morris from Disney, Indiana in 1951 Down Place. How you doing? Oh, ho, ho, ho. I'm doing great. Love this film. <laughs> <laughs> Santa Claus Conquers. The Martians. Wow. It's a Christmas movie. It's, it is Christmas time here in Monster Kid Radio.
2: It's even snowing outside.
0: <laughs> well, it might be snowing outside where you're at. It's, it's it, snowing it, really heavy here in Disney, Indiana. Yeah, yeah. Here at Monster Kid Radio Central, at the Monster Kid Radio Studios, uh, no snow, just a little bit of rain. Still too cold for my taste, but maybe uh, Santa Claus Contra the Martians can warm me from the inside out. Somehow, judging by some of the comments you've already made, I'm not thinking it did. (laughs) Or excuse me. (laughs) Santa Claus was creepy. (laughs) Oh, I thought Santa was great. He's great. Okay, Fair warning to the listeners. I wasn't a huge fan of this movie, but Scott loves it. (laughs) So I'll try to temper my comments about the film and and, and try to be fair about it. Maybe Scott can uh, even me out here i've I've actually seen this film in multiple different formats,
2: but for this show, I actually watched it for the first time as Hollywood intended it
0: to be watched as Hollywood intended it. okay <laughs> <laughs> So when you say you've watched it for the first time as Hollywood intended it, that's because you've watched it on mystery Science Theater, rift tracks, various versions or editions of the film, if you will
2: yes the the very first time I saw this film. Uh, was when it uh, appeared on Mystery Science Theater 3000. Now, I didn't see it when it first aired on there back in 91, but it was a season three episode uh, first shown December 21st of 91. I think I saw it in repeats, and that was the very first time that I saw the film. Since then, um, I caught Cinematic Titanic doing this film live uh, on one of their tours. And then just here uh, a couple weeks ago, I went to the Fathom events and saw the Rift Treks crew perform uh, Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. And now I found out that Elvira has a version of it. I need to track that one down, too, so I can watch that.
0: (laughs) So Scott's an obsessed fan. Basically, we found one of Scott's favorite movies of all time when I invited him on the show to talk about this movie. (laughs) This is such a kitschy,
2: unusual film. I mean, yeah, you're going to get... Aliens abducting Santa to bring basically the idea of Christmas to Mars. I mean, that's not a very traditional story, but it's no. you know it, it fits in with the films that were being made at the time. You know, sci-fi was really big. You know, the the moon programs was taking off and everything. And so, why not have Santa Claus visiting another
0: planet? Or why? Derek, uh, why you would say why? <laughs> I, I'm not going to sit here and. Put up with this? No, I'm not going to sit here (laughs) and talk trash about the movie. I see where you're coming from. It is a fun – it is definitely filled with kitsch. It's a fun, kitschy film. There's no doubt about that. And, yeah, I mean looking at it in context, it's – what, 64? 64, yep. Yeah. So looking at it in terms of what was going on with space exploration and science fiction on television and that sort of thing, I mean – Of course Santa Claus is going to go to Mars and go to Mars. (laughs) Why not? Now, this would not be the only time that the director, Nicholas Webster, would go to Mars as well. A few years later, he would direct the film Mission Mars with Darren McGavin and my man Nick Adams, which I actually just watched for the first time not too long ago. It's a fun – it's not fun. It's a (laughs) serious (laughs) – It's not fun. It's not fun. (laughs) It's an interesting science fiction film. There's some fun performances by Darren McGavin in it. It is kind of serious, though. Some things that happen in this movie, in Mission Mars, very serious. We're talking about a couple of astronauts being lost on Mars, trying to get home, finding a frozen Russian cosmonaut out there, trying to get away. It's a serious film, even though Darren McGavin's kind of lighthearted in it. Nothing like Santa Claus Conquers the Martians, which is... Well, I can bring it back to Christmas because, you know, Darren McGavin... The old man in Christmas story well, yeah, well, yeah, of course, <laughs> so we 're back to Christmas, yes, well, I mean, Santa Claus Conquest of Martians is nothing like that film, mission Mars at all i mean it 's nothing like anything i 've really ever seen
2: <laughs> it 's a movie not to be taken seriously at all it oh no i 'm not even sure the film. Was aimed for adults. I'm, I'm thinking I it's can't more for. It was. Yeah, it's more. It's this is more of a kids film, but it's very kitsch and it's very of its time. It's, it's a movie that has a very soft spot in my heart, and I, I'm now. This is going to be something that uh, every year I'm, I'm probably going to watch it straight. Wow. Yeah, I just, I love this film, and uh, was able to pick up the new Kino Blu-ray release of it. It's, it's one of those films where. You just get lost in it, and lost in its simplicity, lost in its—I hate to keep going back to kitschiness, but I can't think of another word that, that fits. It's just so much fun.
0: It's definitely an interesting kitschy artifact, I think, of what was going on with kid sci-fi. I mean, kiddie sci-fi, when did Lost in Space come out? Because it feels like it's got that kind of a vibe to me. Uh, I have to look that up. I'm not. You're talking about the TV show? Yeah.
2: Yeah, that was 65 to 68. Yeah, so it's right there in that same ballpark.
0: Yeah, it definitely has a kind of goofy kind of, and I don't mean that despairingly, even though I didn't like the movie as much as Scott did. I'm not disparaging the film, but it does have that kind of goofy kind of sci-fi giant robots just just put some makeup on their face and they're an alien kind of thing.
2: And and you've also got a little taste and and, and this is probably going to be a stretch, but in a lot of the Godzilla films, that type of films, you've got the little kids that save the day. So you've got that in this film as well.
0: (laughs) Good point. Well, a lot of the later Godzilla films, uh, you know, we're aimed at a much younger audience. So that makes perfect sense. And I would even say maybe less Godzilla, maybe more Gamera. Yes. More Gamera. Yes. Which brings us back to mystery science theater 3000, which is where I first discovered Gamera. So where he is full of meat anyway. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> but but this film, to me, represents two of my all time favorite Christmas songs that I play every year at christmas wow this movie well, is this movie is responsible for those two
0: songs I'm assuming the opening theme song oh, which, I love that song which i am gonna we're gonna go out on we're gonna go out on that song here and, and if
2: you notice if yeah. you're watching the film, it's played in a lot of different formats, slowed down sped up and you know, that melody for um, Hooray for Santa Claus shows
0: up a lot in this film. Do you know anything about the song? Was it made specifically for this film? Unfortunately, I don't know. Okay. I would have to imagine it was.
2: I'm just trying to figure out why they spell it. Because in the song, they spell it. S-A-N-T-A-C-L-A-U-S. Hooray for Santee. Why do they? And they actually, at the end of the film, they print the words on the screen. And it's <sighs> S-A-N-T-Y. <laughs> They spell it right, but they sing it wrong. (laughs)
0: That's
2: interesting. But that's just one of two songs that this movie is directly responsible for on my Christmas playlist. What's the other song? The other song is A Patrick Swayze Christmas from the Mystery Science Theater 3000 episode. Okay. I don't know if you've ever heard that one, but it's uh, basically Crow decides to write his own Christmas song, and he bases it on Roadhouse.
0: You know, I don't have... The depth of experience, (laughs) the depth of experience with Mystery Science Theater 3000 that you do. Uh, I liked it when I first discovered it. Joel left. I kind of drifted away. Now, over the years, I've kind of come back to Mystery Science Theater 3000. But I've never experienced the Patrick Swayze Christmas. I know what it is but I've never seen it. I've never watched it. Don't know anything about it. I just know those three words together are Mystery Science Theater 3000. What is a Patrick Stacey Christmas?
2: It's one of the um, the bumpers between the, the commercial breaks and the movie. And Tom, Crow, and Joel are going to go caroling. And Crow has a brand new song that he decides that he thinks everyone should sing, and he wants it to become a holiday tradition. So the, he hands out the lyrics to each one of them. They start, the cam bot starts playing the music. And they start singing it, and they get to Patrick Swayze Christmas. Basically, Santa's stealing from the till, and Patrick Swayze being the bouncer at the roadhouse is going to have to show Santa, you know, basic who's boss. And at one point, Joel stops the song because they start into a uh, you know a fight scene, and he says, "I'm not sure an action sequence belongs." And Crow is like, "What do you mean a good action sequence doesn't belong in Christmas? Read on, Joel Robinson." <laughs> And it's this whole great song of uh, a Patrick Swayze Christmas. It's just, it's one that, like I said, I've got a a Christmas playlist on my iPod that I bring out this time of year. And it is in rotation on there. That, you know, is one of two Christmas songs that Mystery Science Theater 3000 has released. The other one is when they did the film Santa Claus and they did a basically a politically correct uh, Christmas song. So, but this one is great. I love
0: Patrick Swayze Christmas. And so that appeared in the episode in which they covered this film. Santa yes. Claus. Okay. Yep. Well, all right then.
2: Shall we get to the film itself? Like I said, <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I watched this film for the first time without the help of any riffers. So this was the uh, – so I, I started doing a little bit of research as I'm watching the film because I, I didn't know a lot of the people that were in the film and what they had done outside of this film and found that it wasn't a whole lot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, most of them or a lot of them were like Broadway, yes, and theatrical actors. So, as far as film cred, they didn't have a heck of a lot or go on to do a heck of a lot. I did find it interesting though because It makes perfect sense that they had Broadway or theater in them because a lot of the performers, especially the Martians, whenever they're speaking, they are projecting. They are enunciating as if they are on stage. And they're very animated, too. They're very clearly playing to the back row where you don't have to do that with a film, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) So it's very clear that they are coming from a different uh, background when it comes to making this movie. Uh, Nicholas Webster was the director. You love Santa Claus on this, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, I do. John Call. Yeah, Do you know much more about the cast for this film outside of maybe a couple of names here or there?
2: Well, one of the characters, um, Droppo, who um, is probably Derek's (laughs) favorite character in the whole film. Wow. Yeah. One of the Martians. (laughs) One of the Mm -hmm. Martians. uh, Was played by Bill McCutcheon. Okay. And uh, Bill went on to play Uncle Wally on Sesame Street from 1985 to 1992. I don't remember that character at all. Well, the uh, 95 to uh, 82 would have been beyond when I was watching Sesame Street. Yeah. So I don't remember him either, but that's a pretty long run, you know, seven years playing a character on Sesame Street. But I can definitely see him, you know, continuing on and being in kids types roles. I mean, sure. Aimed at kids, not being a kid, but
0: right. <laughs> yeah. No, that makes sense. I mean, the way he interacts with the kids and I mean, he wants to, He's all on board for bringing the Christmas spirit to Mars. So, I mean, I could definitely see that kind of. Do we want to say innocence? I, I don't know. There's some sort of connection to a younger audience when it comes to him. I mean, just the way he performs in the film, you know, the way he's animated and he moves his arms and he does his little dance and all this other stuff. So, yeah, of course he would go on to do Sesame Street. That makes perfect sense.
2: Well, then, uh, other uh, actors that we have in here, probably one that most people have probably heard of is Pia Zadora. Who is Girmar, the little girl of the main Martian family that Santa Claus interacts with? Most people know who she is.
0: Who is Pia Sedora?
2: <laughs> she went on to do uh, movies like Hairspray, and she—I mm-hmm. think she was in one of the Naked Gun movies at one point.
0: But she also had a musical career. Didn't she, she had a
2: musical career. She's—you know—showed up on a lot of TV shows. I think she was on Love Boat at one point
0: as well. Wasn't everybody on the Love Boat? In the 70s? Well, that's a good point. She also did some theater as well, so there's that connection there. So,
2: And looking at uh, her IMDb page, she is uh, credited as one of the performers on Ray for Santa Claus.
0: Oh, in the song? Yeah. Well, she would go on to have a musical career, of course. <laughs> <laughs>
2: this was her breakout role, come on. Yeah,
0: that's true.
2: <laughs> <laughs> one of the other characters that, probably the only other one that I'd seen in something else, was uh, Ned Wordimer. Now, Ned plays Andy Henderson at the beginning of the film there is a news crew that goes to the north pole to interview Santa Claus on KID TV. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh Ned uh was on the TV show The Jeffersons. He plays the doorman on there. So when you see them coming in the building or he comes up to there, he's always has his hand out for a tip from The Jeffersons in there. But Ned also has a very uh good Disney connection as he played a role called The Singing Pirate in 2007's Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End.
0: Wow. So he was still working as late as 2007. Well, (laughs) (laughs) I think you've mentioned the three people who actually have a picture next to their name on the (laughs) AMBP listening to this film. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which usually meant you went on to do something else. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, a lot of them had a theatrical or Broadway background, you know, before we started recording, Scott was breaking down how the Martian names were created. I was having a hard time tracking who was who, but of course, Kimar is the as king you said, Martian. Yep, played by Leonard Hicks, and he's he's one of the guys that I'm referring to when I say he's clearly playing to the back row. Very clear enunciation, uh, very dramatic readings, things like that. When he laughs, he kind of kicks his head back to make sure everybody knows he's laughing, that sort of thing. But he's charismatic. I mean, I I don't want to say or sound like I think the acting in this was bad. I mean, they're all playing their roles to the hilt. I think the kids are probably the worst performers just because they're kids. They don't have the experience, that sort of thing. I mean, you got Billy and Betty that spend a lot of time just kind of staring at Santa.
2: (laughs) And the Martian kids could use the sleep ray a little bit more.
0: Was it the sleep ray or the sleep powder? The sleep
2: whatever it was that put them to sleep.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so when they eat, they eat these pills. When they go to sleep, they apparently need some sort of powder or drug or something. A weird society we have up there on Mars. And they learn the same way that the people in the Matrix do. They just lay on
2: a bed and have something hooked up to their antenna. (laughs) Wow. You think that's where the Matrix got this from? (laughs) (laughs) Well, there, there is one other Martian that um, I think even plays better than Leonard Hicks is playing to the audience, and that's the bad guy, Vincent Beck playing Voldar. Oh, yeah. I mean, he plays it to... I mean, he ought to be having a curly mustache and a black hat. <laughs>
0: well, he does have one heck of a mustache. Yes, he does. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, he's He's great. He is so over the top. I mean, like I said, he should be wearing a black hat. He's that... I am the bad guy and everyone's going to know that I'm the bad guy.
0: Yeah, and he's got a pretty extensive listing on the IMDb as well. Uh, did a lot of television, Gilligan's Island, Get Smart, The Monkeys, things like that. So, I mean, he would go on to do quite a bit more, at least on television up through the 70s. I would imagine he probably played the villain quite a bit.
2: Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, he's actually on the poster, I believe, or at least one of the versions of the poster and on a few of the uh, – VHS for DVD covers, depending on what you're looking at. But yeah, you can't miss him. He's got the thick mustache.
2: He's also holding the, uh, the whammo air gun.
0: <laughs> yes. The
2: Martian Ray gun. So don't shoot any rays. Yeah. They're basically toys from the sixties. It was a whammo air gun that when you would fire them, they'd fire a blast of air. Mm-hmm. So basically for this film, they just painted them black and they used them the same way as you would use them as a kid. So you, I'm sure it's still shooting out the puff of air, which obviously you can't see in the film, but it is very effective because it freezes people in whatever position that hits them in.
0: Including Mrs. Claus. Yes. (laughs) Who is portrayed as
2: kind of a nagging wife. Yeah, Doris Rich. Yeah. Uh, Did you know that she was uh, in real life married to John Carradine? No.
0: Yes. (laughs) Are you serious? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's a connection, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> she gets frozen. I think some of the elves get frozen. Yeah, a couple of the elves get frozen.
2: Yeah, she's she's played as your typical kind of nagging wife. In fact, she gets frozen in mid-nag. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Santa's like, I, I got the impression.
0: She was like, oh, finally she shut up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. This movie, it's uh, a... <laughs> It's a movie. You know, if we want to try to find a few more Monster Kid connections, one of the producers on this was Joseph E. Levine, who would be one of the executive producers on The Godzilla King of the Monsters when it was brought over here and Raymond Bird was inserted into the film. A few other things here and there. Mad Monster Party he was involved with as well. So, I mean, there are a couple of Monster Kid connections or credentials associated with the movie. And, of course, there's Martians in it. So, of course, we can talk about it on Monster Kid Radio. I mean, it's – a monster Christmas film, and I kind of like the look of the monsters, actually. I, even though I wasn't too down with the film itself, I, I had a lot of problems and, and found my attention drifting a little bit. I liked how the Martians looked. I thought the Martians looked pretty cool. If there was an action figure, I would buy an action figure of a Martian from Santa Claus Congress of Martian.
2: Oh, I'd love to have one, you know, because they show one at the beginning of the film. Yeah. One of the elves actually had built one, and it's his idea of what a Martian looks like. Mm-hmm. And it turns out to be exactly what the Martians
0: look like. <laughs> so they're all painted green. It's clearly face makeup, but they're all painted green. And this is a color film, so you can see it pretty clearly and kind of shiny in spots. See, their uniforms appear to be I don't know, is that a cotton or something? I mean, it's just a bodysuit. Yes. And they've got like an insignia on their chest and a belt and all that, but their helmets.
2: Well, you forgot the big black belt with the buttons on it that actually controlled some things.
0: Yes, yes. You've got the control belt, I guess. But the helmet is what sticks out for me. From a distance, it looks like a tea kettle with a couple of sticks sticking out of it. Is their antenna that apparently can go in or out? Yes. They are, they are retractable antenna. Uh, now, when you get closer to them, they're clearly not tea kettles, although I don't know if the design went much further than that. I've got this weird kind of coil thing coming off the side of their head and I guess it's there so that Draxoken can stick the Santa hat on it later. <laughs> I <Right. laughs>
2: I do like when when the earth kids first meet them and Betty looks at them and says, "What are those things out of your head?" Those are our antenna and she says, "Are you a television set?" <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> oh, Betty. <laughs> well, I like the look of the Martians and I really like the look of Torg the robot oh yeah classic low-budget science fiction robot i mean it's all boxy and the arms are like dryer tubes yeah dryer <laughs> tubes all painted silver a couple of dials on the front i love the look of torg i'd get a torg action figure too but he gets defeated awful easy you know <laughs> <laughs> and i know you have a problem with that i don't have a problem with it i think it's hilarious. And it's it's in keeping with the film. If it was in any other movie, but you know what? When Torg is coming after him and Santa Claus looks at him and says, Ho, ho ha, ha, you're just a big toy. You're awful Torg, well made. <laughs> Torg gets all sad and it's like, oh, yeah, okay. And that's it. <laughs> He's now a toy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I can't take credit for this, but there is another website out there uh, that is – escaping my memory right now i'll see if i can find it and put it in the show notes but they describe this movie as being the only movie in which santa claus defeats his enemy by giving him an existential crisis <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's pretty much describes it <laughs> yeah that's pretty much it <laughs> but i love torg and i love the look of the martians i really do i think they're i don't want to say iconic because well because, But I love the look of them. I think they're great. And action and figure, sculpture. I would A bust of one of the Martians would be amazing.
2: It's something that you don't see. I mean, I, I've never seen in any other films that Martians look quite like this. I mean, green is a common color, but... Well, I mean, the little green men from Mars, of course. Right, but the headgear is what sets them apart.
0: Yeah. I'd be real curious to learn more about the decisions that went into making... Well, not just the Martian design, but everything about this movie. But... Uh, <laughs> Wow. (laughs) We're going to keep the Christmas theme going here on Monster Kid Radio when we come back in part two of our coverage of the film, Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. You know, at the very beginning of this discussion, and I think you guys and gals can tell, I was a little lukewarm about the movie. I was a little, uh, but something happened. My heart grew three sizes as I was recording with Scott. A Christmas miracle happened, and I actually kind of love the movie now. But we'll talk a little bit more about how much I enjoyed the movie in part two, which will be coming out here in a couple of days with Scott. Big thanks to Scott for taking the time to talk about this movie with us here on the show. And remember, last week we did put this movie on the official Monster Kid Radio holiday gift guide. So this is definitely something that you need to have in your collection. If you're a monster kid who loves Christmas movies, if you love kitschy, fun 60s Santa Claus movies with some wacky Martians that, man, I wish there were action figures for, this is the movie for you. Again, come back in a couple of days for part two of our discussion of that movie. In the meantime... I want to wish you and yours the happiest of holidays. Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC, is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license. Of course, I can't put any claim on the song Hooray for Santa Claus by Milton Delug and the Little Eskimos, which appears in the film Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. Talk to you in a couple of days.